This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. We welcome you to Bite Into It, where we talk tech, uh, we talk apps, we talk uh, the internet, uh, all the good stuff. Um, tonight, behind the desk, it's Cassandra Wright. How are you? Very well, Lauren. Yeah? it's uh, It's been a good week in technology for you, or...? Oh, no, I think it's just leading up to public holidays that kind of puts me in a good mood. You've got the holiday glow going on. Yeah, well, pre-holiday stress glow, you Mm. know, when you do twice as much work Mm. because you're about to go on break. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And then, yeah, well, let's not even talk about next week then. (laughs) Um, And to my left is James Noble. James, how are you? I'm good. I have had a few tech issues this week. Oh, (laughs) take a load off. Tell us us about something Well, I've I've kind of been known as being the guy that uh, is uh, all about Apple, and Mm. uh, this year I I switched to the Google Pixel. Oh yeah, and uh, it's been good. And I keep trying to, I keep getting torn between the two. And I've had a few issues with um, things talking to each other because mm. I'm on Mac yeah. all the time, but my phone refuses to. So yeah. contacting people and having yeah. two different contact folders. So that was been my trying yeah. to find people. I'm sure that I have their email address. Yeah, no. right. <laughs> it is. It's kind of a hard one, isn't it? It's nice when everything works together, but also it can be nice to kind of say, I'm going to leave that world and go into another world. And Google Pixel and the mm. Android device. I always mm. thought, I hate Android. Yeah. And then they, I've tried this interface, pretty good, but it's so different uh, the way that you interact with it and the holistic approach to Apple versus Google. Like Google is all about Google and sharing your information and your details, whereas Apple's trying to make every single device that's Apple work together. Yeah. So it's I'm, I'm getting confused where I sometimes I swipe down when I should swipe up and sometimes I, I forget, like I'm kind of mashed into both worlds and I can't seem to make figure out my phone half the time. It takes me a long time to find someone's phone number. That's not too bad. I mean, it's kind of, um, I, I had to write a list the other day of all the stuff that needed to be used for something and there's a lot, there's a lot of like mental bandwidth involved in keeping across all of the platforms and things that you do. It's kind of, it's, yeah. you know, it's easy to look like a bit of a duffer from time to time, so... I, yeah, I think, and I think you, you fill so much, t- so much of your your mind with learning how to use your devices. Is it mm. actually making us more productive? Mm. You know, time creeps up on us all. I think what you guys are experiencing. Don't say it. Don't you say it. <laughs> hey, this 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 grey hair. It's very dashing. You know, wherever you might find it. In my silver, day, silver. we had one operating system. Oh right, I see. I see how it's going. Um, I'm having those conversations as well with clients about. Oh, I remember the Amstrad. I remember the. Oh. I, I got the. I got. Ex, I got twice my the hard drive of my Amiga. I doubled the size of fifteen hundred dollars from one point five meg to three meg. Oh, <laughs> it cost fifteen hundred dollars from one point five meg. That's crazy. Yep, that's my age. Um, if you've ever waited tables or pulled beers, uh, you know that getting the right amount of work at the right places uh, does make life so much better and easier. Um, and I guess the other side of that is for um, employers, um, if you have a business, um, getting the right people can also be a bit of an art, um, getting the right people at the right time um, uh, in the same room together. Uh, a new venture from Three Melbournians is looking to tackle that and has launched recently. Uh, we'll talk with their team uh, in a moment. I guess another part of our life that should just work as well is Mikey. Um, do you guys catch much public transport at all? I have been of late for the last mm. eight weeks since I mm. had a basketball injury and mm. uh, realised how expensive it is. Mm. Um, but also the small pains and bits and pieces that come along with it, trying to mm. get your card to work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I definitely used to yep. um, because I... I've been driving for less than a year. So public transport was my be all and end all. But again, um, 
the fear, the ultimate fear, I, I am very much a rule-abiding citizen, the ultimate fear of something going wrong with your ticket or mm. um, it just not working. I Even when we had the Met cards, sometimes they just wouldn't stamp properly and, yeah. you know, I'd be worried that I'd get caught fare evading when I'd actually bought my ticket and all this stuff. Did you ever get to do the sort of Walkman on staring out the window move when we had, did, did you ever have um, um, conductors? Did you ever get on a tram and people would stamp your ticket? Or in my, in my childhood? Yeah. yeah. Yes, I was like, Daddy, what man is that? Yeah. All these slights. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do remember conductors. I'm, I'm not, I'm not yeah. that young. Yeah. Um, a Melbourne developer has produced a free app um, to top up Mikey on your mobile. And uh, he'll be joining us in a sec. Um, I love people who just kind of think this is wrong and I don't like how it works and I'm going to do something about it. So yep. um, we'll hear a little bit more about that. But... Before we do, there is a, a bit making news uh, both here and uh, and around the world, um, so we should probably have a, a bit of a look at those. Um, I guess a constant theme um, over the past few years has been the NBN and are we getting um, good speeds? Um, there is uh, a way that's been paved for um, 10 gigabytes per second uh, to the home with um, fibre trials, um, potentially boosting fibre um, to home speeds um, 100-fold, which is quite exciting. Um, so switching to a multi-technology mix has fragmented the, the kind of rollout, but um, they're, I guess, trying to pull it back together and um, um, give us what we, we really want. Um, Next Generation Passive Optical Network 2, or NPON 2, one of the better acronyms um, to come out of governments, um, fibre trials are underway. Um, but there's no firm commitments to whether we will actually get the technology or not. We're just giving it a crack, uh, which is nice. Do you guys have good, good speeds? Um, at home, do you find? I have ridiculously terrible speeds at work. Yep. Um, that has forced us to move from ADSL2 to getting fibre, yeah. but our mobile network is better than um, hmm. than our ADSL2, ADSL2 yeah, speeds. Sure. Uh, sometimes if we're lucky, we get one megabyte per second download. Ooh. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's tough. I remember when it used to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it take four days to download an MP3. But the problem is, though, that our the current way we work is quite data heavy because they expect Very. us to be up to speed with that. Mm. Um, and if it was, you know, maybe even five years ago, there'd be more capacity for working offline, but there just isn't really now and so I think the rest of the world expects us to be at their speed and we're probably one of the only one of the last remaining countries to get charged based on how much we download rather than what speed that we're receiving Mm. Um, I get pretty reasonable internet uh, speeds at home it's about 80 but uh, about 80 megasecond whereas you're you're over this part of town yeah I'm not far from the studio yeah Yeah. so I'm not I don't get NBN but I'm close to it I got got like dual fiber was what I could for a ridiculous amount of money Um, my my parents on the other hand get uh, they they sold they sold them in at the fast eighty megs a second like Telstra, but uh, they actually received like five and a half megs a second. Mm. And there's a lot of few lot you got to watch yourself with the, the contractual stuff. Yeah, you might get sold something, but the reality for like ninety percent of the time is yeah. a fraction of that. They say there's an eighty percent variance uh, allowability. Eighty like percent. <laughs> Imagine anything else if you were like you know eighty percent variance about whether I'll be there or not. Yeah, or you, you buy a car and all you actually get is the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit crazy. Um, something else that's quite crazy is um, a little bit of nerdy news around aerodynamics, um, uh, around um, electric wind. Um, do 
want to tell us about this truck? Yeah, it was. This is actually one of uh, one of the, the guys that I work with, one of the, the nerdy developers that oh. uh, found this, and I thought it was quite interesting. Um, so in Sweden, there's that the Royal Institute of Technology uh, developing a device that increases fuel efficiency of trucks by cloaking them in electric wind, using plasma actuators and uh, to charge the air around the vehicle. It can increase. Um, the aerodynamics and reduce the drag. I thought this is a pretty clever idea, like the way this works. Mm. Um, and uh, this kind of related to another story that I've been reading of, uh, recently about sort of Nike trying to cut down the um, the marathon, oh, yeah. by, and by creating a trainer that can reduce the amount of uh, energy that that you burn while you're running in it, uh, and also increasing your um, your spring so you can. It doesn't increase your speed, but it, in, it increases your um, your ability to push off. Yeah, um, and that's this is a very similar sort of technology. Like everyone's starting to sort of think a little bit more outside the box. I quite like mm. the fact that, well, rather than the truck having to ch- how do you change. You know, a million trucks, whatever's around, yeah, you sure. can't. But if you can clo- attach something to the existing technology yeah. to make it better, that's great. That's really smart. It's a smart way of doing things. So, it was in- interesting stuff. Very interesting. Speaking of um, building stuff, um, TPG uh, building a, a new mobile network um, to compete with um, some of the existing players. Um, Cassie, what are, what are they thinking? What are they trying to achieve here? Yeah, so we're talking about a different type of airspace, I suppose. Mm. Um, but recently, they won a government tender. So, the government decided to sell some more airspace uh, for our mobile networks up for grabs and Telstra was banned from bidding because they currently are the the majority holder of that. Um, and so TPG actually was the winner, which for many people is a bit of a, a surprise uh, because, mm. you know, not many people associate TPG with mobile networks in Australia at this stage. Um, but... They've said they plan to spend $600 million on rolling out a new 4G mobile network over three years, which will reach 80% of the Australian population. Uh, considering most of us are in cities, that's not always that, that difficult to do with the, with the rollout, but it's still quite promising. The rollout's going to begin uh, next year. And the license is until 2029. So um, that's, quite a, that's quite a while. Uh, they'll pay the government nearly $1.3 billion, though, um, in annual instalments. So they've got to work out ways to, to make that make that cash. But, I mean, hope, A, hopefully the government has plans from that sale and the money to maybe invest in some cool new tech, supporting for startups. Uh, NBN. NBN. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we'll see. We'll see what's what's happening there. But again, more and more people are demanding wireless broadband. More and more people are demanding good, um, solid mobile networks. And it's just interesting to see having other players in the space. Telstra has completely dominated for so long. Unless you live right in the middle of the city, you really don't have much choice. It's starting to get better. But seeing TPG emerge as a bit of a player mm. could be something. To look out for, and um, Telstra shares have taken a bit of a dive in response to this. So, I guess other people are, are seeing healthy competition. Yeah, I think Vodafone did a smart rollout where they started to target the areas where Telstra weren't very strong. Um, they did sort of things out in the Yarra Valley and Hunter Valley and places where there were sort of tourist destinations, but the Telstra hadn't really put the yeah. infrastructure in there. Vodafone kind of came in and did mm. that. So it was quite a smart move to then mm. grow, and then they sort of come back to the city. If TPG, it'd be nice if TPG could, if this 80% could cover the mm. the 10% that Telstra don't and get a bit more rural, that'd be amazing because it'd open up all that sort of 
education bandwidth and communication bandwidth to the smaller population, right? Yeah. Well, Always people in WA getting their 2G or... Yeah, we're my mum's 2G phone just got cut off, so she's been forced to upgrade. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, with the 4G network, it actually needs less mobile towers to operate. So they can actually do it, uh, do that rollout for cheaper because they don't have existing networks to yeah. keep going. Whereas, you know, we've, we've already seen the Telstra 2G cutoff has taken, yeah. had to take such a long time because of people like my mum who are like, you will pry this phone from my hands. Um, so the so reason yeah. you knock your out though for us, so that's okay. Oh no, she's got an iPhone. Oh wow. She, she's got an iPhone. She sent her first iMessage. Oh, amazing. There was, a, um, I know we talked about this point. There was a, I think there was a technology and I don't give me a hundred percent that I think TPG bought it. It was a, people were making mobile um, 4G towers where you could literally drive it on the back of a ute and then you would base put make a base station anywhere and oh. connect it uh, and then they were solar charged but they only had sort of a lifespan of sort of uh, two or three years but I'm, I'm wondering whether they're going to try and use that because that was That'd to be, be great. enabled they kind of daisy chained so you yeah. could connect you could create networks nice so I'm be interested if that comes along uh, Cassie, one thing your uh, mum or grandma will have to uh, look out for um, on her mobile device um, is theft of pins and other sensitive data information. Uh, some new research that's come out of uh, Newcastle University um, uh, in the UK. Uh, we're often uh, very conscious of um, our form data and our cameras and, and things like that when it comes to personal information, but there's a whole host of things um, in our devices that we should be uh, wary of. Uh, games consoles, fitness trackers, um, uh, obviously smartphones uh, are extremely vulnerable to malicious websites and installed apps that can use um, devices various sensors um, to, to pinch our stuff so um, interestingly in um, the average smartphone there's around 25 sensors and hack- hackers can use a combination of those to deduce pins and other information scarily with an accuracy of 70% on the first attempt for four digit pins and 100% by the fifth try so it's things such wow. as the accelerometer how you tilt um, swipes on the screen um, uh, GPS um, proximity, NFC, rotation sensors, uh, etc. One of the interesting examples was because I'm um, when I am on public transport, I'm quite often using my phone with one hand and doing the thumb stuff. And they start to realise when you're doing particular things, when you start to tilt your phone you're with one hand, um, include swiping um, um, touch data mm-hmm. um, from the screen sensors. Um, yeah, so. The interesting thing is um, it's not just while you're active. Um, a lot of um, apps and things that we install um, have pretty open permissions on what um, sensors mm. and what data you're allowed to do. So all of these things are just collecting the information on what you're doing yeah. and not even just while you're using the phone actively but while the phone's locked as well. So um, they've made some suggestions on what you can do to be careful about that. Um, it's recommended that you do change your pins and passwords frequently. Um, so, you know, try and do it every couple of weeks at least. Uh, Close background apps when not in use. I'm terrible with that. I've always got all my apps running. Um, uninstall unneeded apps. Um, use only apps from approved app stores, maybe mm. with one exception with the, the app later in the show. Um, and review permissions to individual apps as often as you can. But I guess probably the basic thing we can do is change our pins and our passwords quite a lot um, and close stuff and get rid of stuff when you're not using it. Yeah, I think there's quite a lot of those bits and pieces that happen with, uh, I've got to decide to use something like one password where it kind of, kind of makes a random mashup yeah. of number of, and you can tell it to sort of update regularly. Mm. And I also noticed with Android that um, a lot of apps, you don't actually, because there's no that gated community that you get yeah. Apple there mm. isn't that with, with the Google Play Store yeah. so anyone can put an app in that store and quite often you can find malicious stuff that you don't even yeah. know you've, you've installed got to be quite careful you've got to be quite careful and it, 
some of the simplest things will ask for like the tw- 25 permissions for like everything that, and you're like why does my why does this camera app need to know yeah. x y and z yeah. so you've got to watch it it's quite quick and easy to make yeah. a mistake and it's, it's probably actually a good thing when you get those prompts as well it's the sort of thing that legitimate apps will do as mm. well um, so yeah interesting uh, if you have ever uh, worked in hospitality or um, or run a cafe or a food truck or anything like that um, you'll understand the importance of uh, either having a good employer and things being organised and really tight or being able to be organised and have the right people doing the right things at the right time. Uh, while two of the three people uh, behind uh, the new app, SUP, uh, Kate and Jordan uh, now join us and they're going to tell us a little bit about um, their journey behind the app and uh, I guess maybe firstly why, why you thought it was important to have it. So thanks for joining us in the studio tonight, guys. Thank you for having us. Cheers. Uh, so, was it sort of over a beer? You guys all thought, you know, we we have these common problems, or we, you know, we have friends with common experiences. What was the kind of flame that that got this thing started? Oh, it's so Melbourne. It was actually over breakfast, not a beer. Mm. <laughs> um, I own a business, Loon Croissantery, and oh, no one's heard of that around here. No, no, no one's heard of it. Little little hole in the wall. Mm. <laughs> <Who are> they? <laughs> so we were sitting up at the kitchen bar at Cumulus, and it was I think the Thursday before a weekend. We were heading into we didn't have a barista or a front of house staff member to help us serve the croissants, which although it was a very short uh, period of service, it was a three hour shift. It's actually very hard to find someone Mm. to fill such a short shift, but it's a very crucial role. And um, I was having a bit of a whinge to Jordan about issues that we were having with staffing pretty much on an ongoing basis. And just sort of started to talk about how there are so many qualified and talented people out there, but sometimes they're hard to access because your personal network only extends so far. You can only ask your dad to do the dishes so many times. Yeah. And it'd be nice he's to probably be done able- a lot of those in the past already anyway. Oh, so. he's done so many. Yeah. <laughs> do it graciously, he always used to like say. You don't trust him to do anything about the dishes. <laughs> no, absolutely. He can't roll a croissant. He's not allowed to. <laughs> So uh, we kind of talked about the idea about creating a platform or an opportunity to tap into that much wider network of Mm. skilled hospitality professionals. Mm. And the idea just grew from there. Oh, interestingly as well, in the realms of hospitality, there are a lot or a large percentage of the workforce that are quite young or between the ages of, say, 18 and 24, yet hospitality is still one of those places that jobs are often advertised in the actual store. Uh, So unless you're actually walking into each door, waiting and handing over a resume, which in a bustling cafe or restaurant can sometimes be very difficult to do, how do you actually find the jobs? And then how do the employers actually find the right people, not just someone who happened to to walk in? Absolutely. It's it's funny, there's not a lot of good outlets for sourcing good staff at the moment. Like at Loon for the last few years, we've trialled things like posting on Gumtree or on Instagram for job ads. And with Gumtree, you get an awful lot of irrelevant applications just because people are sending it out to everyone that's advertising. And on Instagram, you're not necessarily tapping into the job hunters, you're tapping into your fans who are ultimately potentially people over in New York or Singapore or Sydney that like the look of our pastries but aren't actually looking for a job as a barista. So, you know, the idea of having a platform or a place where you can specifically advertise for the skill set that you're looking for, I didn't, like, I certainly haven't used it as the owner of Loon and so I guess we just thought we'd create it. 
Yeah, we we both think that the CV process is outdated. I, I think we've seen examples in other industries of this online reputation being used as a, a personal currency for people to win extra work. Um, and so uh, a CV to us was this, this pile of records where people had removed all of their failures and embellished their accomplishments. Um, it's, it's brutally honest to be reviewed on every performance, um, but people tend to put their best foot forward at each time. Um, we've had some really experienced people come down and, uh, and the feedback we're getting is, um, I really wanted to get that five stars. You know? mm. One of the interesting things was um, finding people and connecting with people is obviously crucially important, but there's um, other stuff that is involved, such as um, doing payments and um, you know, contacting people about shifts and, and so forth. How, how do places like Balloon or anywhere else do that now? What, what are the usual ways that you keep things organised? So prior to SARP? Or, yeah, or yeah. Um, so what's the if – if you went to any of the restaurants up and down Sydney Road near here or something like that, how are they looking after staff, making sure people get paid? Is it easy now or is it – It's it's pretty difficult and the methods are pretty wide and varied. Mm. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of press out there at the moment about um, hospitality businesses <coughs> that aren't necessarily doing things the right way. Mm. Um, and – like as a as a business owner myself, I'm quite passionate about doing it the right way, treating mm. staff the the way they should be treated, giving them a secure and safe workplace, paying them what they deserve to be paid, offering them superannuation and work cover and insurance. So mm. it is like it, it's a, a safe working environment for them. And I think um, at the moment, like say if our barista calls in sick, if we don't have somebody that's already on our books that can come and fill in, it's actually very hard to bridge that gap of mm. of legally and properly filling that role because you're yeah. probably calling up a mate and asking them to come down and help out because your barista's called in sick or maybe yeah. they've gone to a music festival or whatever. So yeah. at this stage, it, like... I, I think in all honesty, probably a lot of hospitality businesses will get somebody in at the last minute and hand them cash at the end of the shift. And yeah, sure. I mean... It is one of those places, it's one of those last sort of professions where it seems to be still seems to be accepted that you can get paid cash in hand, and you I get no superannuation and you have no job security, but it's okay because that's kind of the way it rolls and it's slowly changing and... I think it's it's becoming the hard, more and more difficult for businesses and places mm. to do that. But it seems, yeah, it is one of those things where it's one of, in, within hospitality. It's kind of expected because it happens so often. Well, the majority of your staff are casual, right? Yeah, could, yeah. It's because of that that casual nature of the employment. Like, um, it also happens from the employee side. Like, like as you mentioned, a lot of people working in hospitality are eighteen to twenty four. But because of that, they're in such a, a changing period of their life where maybe they're studying, they're travelling, they, they want to go out on the weekends and they expect that flexibility and an opportunity to do other things outside of their work that fits with their changing lifestyle. So, yeah, I think um, being able to offer a platform where young people can look for work, they can get paid on the books, they can get that insurance with a job but they don't actually need to commit to a full-time role or an ongoing role they can actually just jump in and they know they've got the skills they know how to make coffee so they can <laughs> jump on the machine at a new place every weekend if they want to and, and earn that money to supplement their lifestyle it's very, it's very 
similar to sort of air task for getting chores right everyone gets a rating mm. you can put up anything you want in terms of the jobs and but it's hospitality related and it's actually working people are willing to do it mm-hmm. and you also find that i find myself being i don't think i was ever a pain, pain in a taxi but you still know that you're going to be rated on it afterwards yeah. and i always try and i always try and look for excuses um to give them a higher rating like when they drive me so with hospitality that's great it's kind of a business model that can can go across lots of other areas of industry right mm-hmm. rather than just hospitalities that if it can that means it's a really good idea yeah we've also made the rating system both sides um so we get a, a red flag in the system if a business is is ever rated low as well because um you know we want to do the right thing and look after that workforce um, from the beginning when we we started sketching out the wireframes um on that that rainy beach holiday um, we were focused on user experience uh, for, and with a marketplace you you need to think of both sides so um, now that we we've launched the platform and we're looking to scale um, it's as the matchmaker we're trying to balance out the demand and supply too many workers on the platform um, is a, a pain for the hire to scroll through all of those applicants um, at the same time it's a pain for the worker to you, be applying to no end for shifts and, and to never get accepted is a bit demoralising. So um, we're trying to, to balance out both sides. So Jordan, you were you're in your other role, a business analyst. Um, when you sort of saw this and sort of thought of it in sort of pure numbers and so forth, what was attractive to you? What what sort of made it um, made you think this is going to work? And I, I can see the sort of win win for both sides of it. Uh, it. It was never a sure thing. Mm. But I, was, I suppose I was interested in the, the trends mm. um, and seeing guys like the, the founders of Airtasker, um, they seemed young just like us. Um, they gave it a crack and mm. uh, came out on top. And uh, I suppose I was working for a, a big corporate where I'm, I'm still at, uh, part-time. Um, there are a lot of rules there. There's, there's not so much flexibility. Um, and, uh, of course... Head offices in Houston, and it's very difficult to make decisions. So, the idea of starting our own company and um, getting to work on solving a, a real problem that um, Kate was Kate was experiencing firsthand. Um, you know, the, the immediate benefit of being able to solve that problem was getting to see a bit more of Kate. Um, but uh, it just so happened that a lot of people are also suffering from that problem. Yeah. And just speaking, I mean, the logistics of you're doing a startup, you're running a business, business you're working full time at a corporate entity that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> how do you find the time and how long does it take? I'm interested in that, you know, there's quite a lot of people and probably a lot of people listening as well that work together. I'd love to start something. How, where do you start? You did the wireframing on a rainy day while you're on holiday. I can, I can relate to that directly. Then how do you go to the next step to go? How do we, how do we fund this? How do we actually get it going? How did you find, how did you? make it begin yeah well i think it it took about six months until it felt like we were really going um the pursuit for the tech co-founder uh went around in circles for a while there that was really hard but Um, really critical as well like to have that third member of the team so i represented the hospitality industry jordan obviously the business side but we really needed somebody that had that that strong background in in tech so we were very lucky to find sean from itty bitty yeah and so actually sean was the second tech co-founder the um 
we had a bit of a falling out with the first guy, but before we'd signed anything. Um, and uh, Did he get like a massive tiki head and leave it in the bottom of the harbour or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> that often happens. Um, he knows exactly where it is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we, we'd signed NDAs and all of that. Right. But um, actually he introduced us to Sean, who um, is, our, is our tech co-founder now. Mm. Um, so it's interesting how you can look back and connect the dots. I think the key was just to get started we, um, we sort of called in on all the people that we knew with any sort of tech experience and um, you know, the app was built with a, a UX um, and UI specialist, front end and back end specialists. Um, and we didn't even know in the beginning what kind of disciplines were required to piece this together. Um, you know, we had a, a very rough idea of the user experience um, as it came to be defined in the beginning it was just our, our wireframes um, but yeah I think the key for us was just to get started and uh, very uh, was it about three months into it we uh, started to realise how much it, it was going to cost with um, with with not much coding quotes between from us the app Qu- quotes companies. from app developers and um, just meeting people in the community and what they would expect from the company um, so Sean is a, um, a co-founder uh, Sean's, Sean's a co-founder with us and um, so he a developer as well he's but he also owned Itty Bitty Apps who uh, I think they have about 15 employees and they built apps for realestate.com and, and see yep. so some large uh, marketplaces with yep. um, you know, really good user experience so uh, that was the first major coup I think and it, it was almost at the same time that the investors the angel investors we were talking to um, said okay we want to be a part of that It kind of all came together at the same time there. But I think in terms of um, having full-time jobs outside of working on the app, uh, we just both believed in the idea. So it did involve time outside of our current commitments and Loon is more than a full-time commitment and, you know, Jordan does work long hours at his company that will not be named. But, um, you know, we'd get home from work and instead of switching on the TV, we'd chat about SUP and, and brainstorm and work on the wireframes and, and just try and push it forward. It's fun though, right? Because it it's, it's, your, it's yeah. yours. Yeah. yeah. And like, it, it's obviously got a secondary benefit for me that it was going to help me find good staff for my business. So mm. it was very easy to be motivated to, to push it forward. Mm. Something that's really stood out for me with SUP, um, I'm sadly devoid of hospitality skills, but I did a little sign up uh, just to check out the app. And I think when you're talking about the passion that you're putting into it, what strikes me as being really genuine about the, the app and the whole process is that you actually seem to be caring about the workers involved. Um, for example, when you're signing up, it asks you to put in your, your ABN, um, and if you don't have one, it recommends that you get one or at least you have to put in your TFN, to, your tax file number to go to the next stage. And for me, uh, working in an industry where perhaps there's there's a little blur sometimes between contractors and uh, employee, casual employees, it really seemed empowering to be doing that and to be supplying often young people with that information and saying, yeah, you don't just have to be a casual if you want casual rates. You can really be a freelancer. Um, You can be empowered to to do these things. Whereas I think sometimes when we think about 
job sites such as these, it seems exploitative or and the hospitality industry gets a lot of slack, uh, you know, often unfairly, but it still is one of the, the last industries where you can do a trial day for free mm. because there's no other way to prove your worth. Um, with the star rating systems as well, is that another way? Do you see companies being able to trust in that? If I if I had a cafe, could I trust in that star rating system enough not to say, look, you need to do a trial day or I can get you straight onto the shift? Yeah, definitely. Like speaking from my own personal experience, basically with SUP, we've, we, like the, first of all, the test businesses that we got on board to help us develop the app and create the features and so forth. I accessed my personal network of of peers in the industry, which are businesses that I respect and trust and love to visit myself. And so all of them were involved with the development as well. And we've sort of tried to go from the top down. So we've focused on really quality independent businesses based in inner Melbourne. So we can focus on, on capturing that market before we expand. And therefore, I know as, as the owner of Loon that if I see a shift sorry, if I see uh, an employee come up or a worker come up that's done a shift at somewhere like Proud Mary or St. Ali or Cumulus or any of the business, higher ground top paddock, I know that they're businesses that I respect and trust. And if they've given a worker five stars, I will confidently bring them in um, mm-hmm. and, and know that they will be able to competently complete the tasks that I need them to do at Loon. So... Um, yeah, I think the the rating system works very well. You just made me realise that I'm a hipster because I've been to all those places. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll crack Sydney at some point. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so if people if people want to do something with this, if you're either interested as a business or if you uh, if you work in hospitality or something similar, where should they go? What should people do? Uh, we're on the App Store at the moment. So mm. if you have an iPad or an iPhone, um, you can download the app tonight. Android is still under development, so. Um, hang five for a while and we'll keep you updated through our Instagram account or or on the website. And that's uh, S-U-double-P for the app? Uh, that's right, S-U-double-P. Uh, and the website is www.su-double-p-app.com. Cool. Well, guys, it's a great idea. Um, uh, it, it's um, in everyone's best interest if it works. So uh, I'm sure people are going to try it and give it a crack, which is the best way to get started. So uh, good luck with it. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, hey, it's a bit of an happy kind of night tonight. Um, if you like having something uh, on your home screen that uh, gives you the right information all the time, then uh, tonight is your show. Um, if you are a public transport user, um, this will be especially relevant to you. But uh, I also like it as a great kind of, um, I just wanted to get out there and fix it myself uh, kind of story, which I think uh, Australia and Melbourne uh, does really well. Uh, Long Zhang uh, has been looking at um, Mikey and how we can uh, make it an even better experience. Uh, and he joins us now in the studio. Long, thanks for coming in. No worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, so what did something make you mad about this or did you just think it could be a better thing? Um, it's really important to Melbourne. Where, where, where did it come from? Uh, it didn't actually make me mad. Unlike most people, a lot of people seem to have a hate for Mikey. I, d- I actually don't have a hate for Mikey and I, I use public transport every day. Um, I guess I was trying to learn this new programming language and uh, it makes it really easy for me to make a mobile app for iOS and Android. Mm. And I thought, oh, why don't I make something useful out of this? And mm. so I use Mikey every day. Um, mm. I don't really know what my balance is. I have auto top up, but I don't use Mikey Pass and don't know where I'm being. So I thought, oh, maybe I can make a mobile friendly version of the Mikey website. Um, 
So my website is a little bit clunky. It mm. looks like it's from the 90s. Um, <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most likely it is. Um, it's really hard to use on mobile. Everything's really, really tiny. You have to move around all the time. And so most people use you know, apps for everything. And if there's no Mikey app, why don't I make one? And so that's what oh. I did. Did anyone discourage you or did you um, do this in isolation? Or what was the feedback on maybe I should do a Mikey app? Um, well, I didn't really ask. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just thought, can I do it? Looked around. Yes, I can. Um, put it together. Um, showed it to a few friends. Mm. All of them loved it. All of them think, oh my God, I, I could use this. I know some people that don't know what their market balance is or they just need to top up on the go. Mm. Um, and so it started kind of growing within my circle of friends. And then people thought, oh, why can't I just download this from the app store? So mm. I submitted it to the Google Play Store. Mm. And uh, after that, got onto Reddit, got onto The Age, and uh, here I am. <laughs> Off you went. <laughs> it was good enough to, for me to want to actually fill out the 35 input fields on the Mikey submission to actually be able to use the app. So I've kind of loved the fact that you've kind of simplified it. And I'm also interested into how did you manage to integrate with the right. in the first place? Yeah, so how it works is actually pretty simple. So when you're looking at the Mikey site on your computer, you're logging in a browser. Um, you're clicking things, you're typing things, and you're looking at kind of what's on the page. The app is sort of like a browser. It's literally um, passing your login information, so your username and password. It passes as if it was a browser. Uh, it sets straight to Mikey. There's nothing in the middle. I'm not looking at your passwords. I'm not looking at your credit cards. I'm looking at where you're being. Um, and whatever's on the page, it shows you your Mikey's got $10. I go read that number, and I uh, send it back to the app, and the app shows it's got $10. So. It's as if you are browsing the Mikey site yourself. So it's integrated directly into the Mikey system, as in terms of you're passing, are you passing, are you connecting yeah. directly with it, like yeah. through an API or? Well, they don't actually have an API, and that's what makes it a little bit harder. And that's why there's no Mikey app, I presume. Um, and so it acts as if it's a browser. So it's right. it's technically called scraping. So yeah. I'm literally downloading the page and looking at what's on the page, and then presenting it in the app. Right. So we're just uh, giving you our credit card details. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people have asked about that. Um, while it'd be nice to get a little cut, but... Um, that is a nice shirt you're wearing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, actually, security is actually one of the most important things. And when I set out to make this app, I knew that people wouldn't really feel secure about you know passing the credit card information. So uh, one thing I did uh, very, very um, adamantly is I never want to store any of this data. I never want to see it. I never want to touch it. I never want to be kind of responsible for it. So when you're using the app, you are literally talking directly to Mikey. And the other thing is um, I know there's a lot of tech geeky people out there that might want to know how it works. And so I've actually put the source code up on uh, GitHub. Um, anyone can go look at it, see how it works, verify that nothing uh, suspicious is happening, and they can even build the app themselves and put it on the phone. So have you had much feedback from users? Do you, was there any testing that you did, or how did you know you kind of had the right thing and it was working? Yeah, so um, initially I did a, a beta for about 100 people. Mm. Everyone loved it. Uh, there were a few issues. Mm. Some people did really kind of weird top-ups I didn't know you could do. I didn't know you could do it through BPay. And so I had to work through a few bugs to kind of get that fixed up. Mm. But um, since then, it's had about 2,500 downloads uh, in the last week. 
And the reviews has been really, really uh, supporting. Everyone seems to love it. Everyone seems to have a, a need for it. They, they want to top up and um, yeah. It's great. So understand that there have been some uh, challenges with uh, working with um, you know, PTV or, or the people behind um, Mikey. It, that's not been straightforward. <laughs> What's been your experience there? Um, so I guess there's no challenges, but I'm not really getting anything back. Um, I've sent uh, maybe half a dozen emails to various people mm. um, that I thought uh, might be interested in. Um, I mean, all I want to do is kind of help out. Like yeah. I'm offering the app for free. Um, I think a lot of people have this need um, that they want to kind of top up on the phone. And so um, I'm definitely open to working with BDV to get it uh, kind of more approved or even make it the official app if they're interested mm. in that. Mm. Help them have no end, wouldn't it, to be able to, to even an in between before they get an API to be able to build an actual integrated application. It, it yeah. solves a lot of problems because I never know how much I've got on my yeah. my mic. Exactly. I, I guess there's also perhaps other sites or other government sites where it can be really difficult to fill out lots of forms and you just can't do it on your phone. Mm-hmm. Mikey is definitely one that, that springs to mind because it's something where you need to, you're like, oh, do I have enough? And exactly, it's yeah. something that's on your mind. But um, have you have you thought of translating this over to to any other any other sites yet that have difficult um, logins where you're, you're always zooming in and zooming right, out right. and going to the next screen? Yeah, it's actually quite adaptable. I mean, um, I haven't focused on anything specific, specifically, um, but if there's anyone have any suggestions for any sites that uh, might need like a mobile uh, makeover, uh, feel free to uh, send me an email. Government agencies, <laughs> hit him up. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> there's a few of them. <laughs> Uh, so what's the what's the next step for uh, for the app? Do you plan to add anything to it, or um, how, how can how can we take advantage of your goodwill and the fact that you're putting so much into this? Um, yeah, so actually over the last week, um, I've been getting some feature requests. People wanted this, people wanted that, and so but I've been actually dabbling and adding a few features um, every night uh, after work, kind of just tinkering around. And so I've shipped a few updates. Um, I guess what I'm trying to focus on now is trying to get it into the App Store. Mm. So uh, right now it's only available on Android. It's not available on uh, Apple's App Store. And the reason behind that is um, Apple have, I guess, consistently kind of declined it or rejected the app to be submitted. Um, Now the reasoning uh, I'm reading between the lines is because uh, the app uses your MyKey password, using your password, and it also kind of takes your credit card. They want to be sure that this app is the official MyKey app. Now, unfortunately, I can't, I can't make that promise, and mm. so um, I can see both sides of the story. I mean, they're trying to protect the user, which is great. Mm. At the same time, it's kind of a limiting for a hobby developer to to not be able to publish something like this. Can I be naive about this and kind of ask for, say, for example, for photo editor apps and mm-hmm. so forth? Like people love those. There's thousands yep. of them out there. Um, there will be like freemium versions of those where mm-hmm. you do have to pay for like you know get extra candy in your photo frames or something mm-hmm. like that. How do, how, do, how do they avoid this if they're not the official Snapchat or Instagram um, thing? How are they getting into the app store? Yeah, so I guess um, apps that use the in-app purchase mechanism, yeah. um, all the kind of processing, all the transactions handled by Apple. So it's right. a lot secure. You're not getting the credit cards of people. Sure. Uh, in this case, because uh, especially with top up Mikey's, mm. uh, the kind of the payment details need to be sent to Mikey. And so unfortunately, I couldn't use the in-app purchase model. And so okay. I'd actually need to uh, grab the credit card information to pass right. on to so them. So Apple considers it's not secure if it's not using yeah. our kind of payment system. Yeah, and they yeah. can't validate that I'm maybe not siphoning the money off yeah. to to some other sure. country. <laughs> Another really need to Which we can't be sure of as well. Apple aren't getting their cut. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can trust me or you can look at the code and um, 
I'll let the code speak for itself. <laughs> well, it's an awesome idea. Um, we will um, post up a, a link to where people can find out about this on uh, on the episode notes and show notes. But um, long, amazing. Um, good luck. We hope um, PTV um, heed your call soon and um, it's available for everyone um, through the App Store. Thanks, guys. Uh, we've got a few minutes left in the show. Um, we do have a, a few things that we wanted to point out to you um, before we do scoot off. Um, if you are a bit of a space nerd, and hopefully that's 95% of our listeners out there tonight, um, if you like what you're seeing above you right now, um, IMAX is inviting um, Year 11 and Year 12 students to a free screening of the Australian documentary film The Search for Life in Space 3D and a Q&A with astronomer Dr. Alan Duffy. Um, so if you are of that age yourself or if you have a kid or a niece or nephew um, it's year 11 or 12 um, next week get along on Thursday screening starts at 4 o'clock sharp um, and then there's a 30 minute Q&A what, what kind of questions would you guys ask about space if you could get into that Q&A yeah, with me on the spot now I was looking oh, that was fantastic I've been looking at that driving past that all the time and I was going I'd really like to go and visit that space and what is it like actually drinking water out of the air <laughs> that would be quite strange I'd wouldn't it I'd love to do that I'm like what's it like to put a straw into something that's floating past and zero gravity a, food yeah and how does your stomach feel how does your how do your insides feel because nothing's being held by, by gravity no. so um, it's just moving around there yeah I, I, that'd be very strange you're right <laughs> my favourite VHS when I was about six years old was called there goes a spaceship or something, and I was sorry. Fascinated. I don't remember VHS. Right. Sorry, I was fascinated by the uh, the vacuum toilets in space. Oh yeah, how does that work? They have to they have to be vacuumed. Oh, nice. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, next Thursday, get along uh, if you're year 11 or 12 to IMAX uh, here in Melbourne. Um, speaking of deep nerdy stuff, um, Deep Minds Alpha Go Go at Go. Um, what are humans trying to do here, folks? Well, you've got five of the top Go players in China that are going to try and take on this Deep Mind uh, to see if they can beat it. Um, I think the uh, it's going it's on at the Future of Go Summit mm-hmm. um, in China. Um, it was invented. It was invented three thousand years ago. Uh, this um, this game. I'm trying. To, I think there was something else recently happened where they were trying. Again, it was beaten. Like a an, an artificial intelligence was beaten. Oh. Wasn't it? Like, so. There's actually a book coming up from uh, Gary Kasparov about the. I think it's the 25th anniversary of him beating um, IBM's um, um, Deep Blue as well. Um, right. So his personal account of um, taking on the the chess algorithm. Um, is out because it makes the actual artificial intelligence stronger when it loses, doesn't it? So it yeah. actually improves us for the next time. We're making our own takeover, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it used to be like every couple of years you'd think about, yeah, we're, I'm working for something that's actually making humans relevant, and then now it's, it's then it was monthly and now it's almost daily. Yeah, know. but when they're beating you at games, that's <laughs> you know, you don't want to make is a it, robot, robot so strong you can't play Uno anymore. I always wondered whether it was smug about it afterwards as well. Like, rub, does it rub it in like like, you, like your brother or sister used to do? Like, it's like when you, when you beat and they got beat when they beat you. Um, what else we got? There is a, another one. Uh, if you do like your VR, um, there is a real world VR coming up um, in Melbourne. Um, speakers are John Sitzma from Unity, Priscilla Harris from HTC, Nick Wright from FGMNT, um, and a few other speakers, uh, including um, local heroes, um, Zero Latency. Um, so Nibbles, networking opportunities. Um, yeah, works will be available for viewing on Samsung Gear VR. Uh, there'll be Unity demos, Google Cardboard. Um, if you're interested in checking out uh, Reward VR, um, it's pretty cheap, uh, 11 bucks to 30 bucks. It's on April 18, which I think is Tuesday next week. Um, 
It is at Loop, uh, Project Space and uh, Bar in Myers Place. So go along, have a beer, and um, try out some VR. Do you guys um, enjoy it? Give it a go now and again? I'm getting used to it. I, I get a little bit motion sickness. Um, mm. I know, and they, they figured out that if they didn't put, if they put the nose, that, that you can, you'd forget you can even see your nose. If they yeah. add that to the VR, then it gets oh. rid of motion sickness. Oh, that's great. Um, which is a huge thing I, I discovered. Yeah, being very sick for three hours at kind of last year. <laughs> I want to make a who knows pun, but it's just not going to work. <sighs> it's not going to happen. Um, one thing we do want to point out before the end of the show, it is still April Amnesty. So if you're out there and um, you are not a subscriber, uh, if you know someone who's been listening for 20 years and should be a subscriber, um, ring in. Um, there's um, still uh, an opportunity to um, pick up some great prizes, uh, 93881027 um, or... Even easier, just jump online at rrr.org.au um, and sign up. Um, heaps of great stuff to win. Um, it's been a super fun show tonight. Um, really good chatting with uh, Katie and Jordan first up. Um, Cassie, are you going to grab your one star and go in um, and pour some coffees? And I'm on zero stars right now. I would not trust me with any sorts of coffees, but I am really glad that SUP exists as an app and uh, I definitely think tell your friends about it because the more people that get on it, the better work's going to be for young hospitality workers. Um, James, you're going to give the Mikey app a go? I sure am. I'm trying to fill out the form then. Um, finally, there's another reason to that I, to switch to, to, do switch it. to Android. Um, <laughs> we've been right into it. It's been uh, great having uh, your company for an hour tonight. Uh, coming up next is Anthony Carew and the International Pop Underground. We'll be back next week with uh, a few different hu- humans, but uh, we look forward to it. Have a great night. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.